Welcome to the Resilient Disciples Podcast, powered by Awana. I'm Ross, you know who you are, and I am so glad that you are listening today because today I have Ellie Bonilla Jr., who is, if you are if you don't know who Ellie is, you are about to become one of his biggest fans, just like I did in preparing for this conversation. Because uh, one, Ellie has all the jobs and he is just a powerhouse uh, for the kingdom in so many different unique ways that we'll talk about. Uh, but two, if I rarely do this, but if you are someone who is really into following people on social media, you got to make sure you follow Ellie Bonilla. All those links are going to be in the show notes today. Uh, but sir, welcome to the podcast. I'm really, really happy uh, to have you with us today. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Um, love you guys out there at Awana, all the stuff that you've done. Uh, my my mother was freaking out that I was going to be on an Awana <laughs> podcast. She was like, oh my gosh, all their children stuff. And I was and so, uh, yeah, shout out to you, mom. I know you're listening. There you go. Uh, Thank you for and, that. uh, yeah, glad to be here. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Um, so I'm really, you know, I t- I'm talking to members of what we're calling our faculty for the child discipleship forum, but I'm really big in the demo for their moms. That's really where this podcast really resonates a lot. So <laughs> one of the things that stands out to me, particularly about your ministry is I joked about it, about you having, you know, a thousand jobs. You're the national millennial director for the national Hispanic Christian leadership conference. Yes. Um, and you, you know, sort of the, the, the day job, if you will, is with the fantastic organization, one hope. One of the things that stands out to me about you is you have found a way to have your ministry fuel your passions and your impact in a way that I think is unique. And when people who are listening to this podcast, a lot of them are the local kid ministry leader, the person who is really focused on mm-hmm. child discipleship, but also the person who has to make sure the snack cabinet gets filled. So you are someone <laughs> yeah. who is, how have you been able to just stay as driven as you clearly have been, stay as focused on the mission and not get sort of bogged down with some of the details and the method that uh, comes with your various roles? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, You know, I want to preface with uh, I I, I grew up in church. I'm a pastor's kid. Okay. Uh, So uh, so pray for me. Um, (laughs) But my dad's a pastor's kid and my grandfather's a pastor's kid. Oh, goodness. So pray for all of us, uh, I guess. Uh, So I'm in I'm in that world. I'm I'm, I'm drowning in local church ministry. But uh, I think that was the greatest thing for me, to be honest, Uh, wrestling through. Um, just the day-to-day of local church ministry. And I think that that's what keeps, I guess, a honest uh, eye on what's going on when mm-hmm. you're so tethered to what's happening in the community. Sure. And uh, because once you get to the macro levels and you're dealing with just absurd numbers of people <laughs> and, you know, high-profile people with a lot of influence, you can kind of... Um, I don't know, this this illusion of uh, big being better uh, mm. for the masses can kind of creep in. Yeah. And I really have found that uh, staying tethered to the local community has kept me, uh, w- I mean, a hand on the pulse. And then saying things that actually can influence people in a real way in real time. And so the local church, I think, has been the biggest help in that direction. 100%, man. That's beautiful. And it's one of the reasons why we're so happy to have you as part of the faculty for the First Child Discipleship Forum, because one of the things that I think is so crucial is that we are speaking both to an audience of pastors and influencers within the kingdom who we want to 
we want to make sure that they recognize the, the priority of child discipleship, but that local leader, the person who's engaged in this work every day, and for them to see the value in the work that they're doing, that they're doing so much more than just coloring in a picture next to a five-year-old. They're really shaping the future of the faith when they do that. You are, and um, you and I are in a similar position life-wise in that we are both young dads. And I'm curious, you know, to bring discipleship all the way home, quite literally, you know, when we talk a lot about the future of the faith as in terms of the church of 2050. And as we are coming out of that, I find myself constantly looking at my kids and praying over their discipleship and how they are going to have to shape the, the church of 2050. How do you begin to think about the church that you grew up in as a pastor's kid? And now that essentially your kids are fifth generation pastor's kids, like yeah. how do you begin to think about and unpack what their discipleship is going to look like compared to what yours did? They are going to be exposed to things way younger than I was exposed to things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this, just this flood of ideas, this flood of um, various thoughts around identity, spirituality, um, political views, uh, all, all of those things are flooding them, uh, sometimes in 30 second formats. And, and in other cases, uh, you know, like uh, a Joe Rogan podcast where it's three <laughs> hours of sifting through who knows what with so-and-so doctor, so-and-so, yeah. uh, you know, you have all these various mediums uh, where, where now young people have uh, access to that. And I think what fuels me uh, the most is that like, what an amazing opportunity to wrestle younger. Mm. Um, I think that it, yeah, it is, it is, uh, it's scary for the real world to hit them younger. Mm-hmm. But when you have people like, uh, you know, you guys at Awana, us here at One Hope, NHC, yeah. various other groups that care about the next generation um, that are willing to lean into those subjects uh, with those young people uh, going through them in re- real time. Yeah. I just think that that, that will mature. I, I think we're going to see a, a generation mature a lot quicker in their spirituality than maybe a lot of us. Yeah. Just because they had to wrestle through a lot of the philosophical, theological wrestlings younger. And who knows what that could produce later on, what, what type of um, Christian work will come out of that generation. And so that's what fuels me. It's like, Hey, like this is an opportunity to build some, some really heavy hitters because they're just <laughs> jumping into the fire early. Yeah. Uh, so uh, on the optimistic end, perhaps. Yeah. That's no, but that's, I mean. that's, I mean, that is such a great lens for it. And I think sometimes optimism is what's required. And, you know, you are someone who grew up in the church and a lot of folks who listen to this, that is also their story. And I, you know, I didn't come to know Jesus until I was in college and looked like I was 50, but that's a separate conversation. And when that happened for me, and every time I talk to somebody like you, I'm reminded of essentially how much time I missed with the Lord because it took me so long to, you know, realize that I needed him. But I'm so encouraged by your optimism, by your motivation, the, the lack of cynicism that permeates everything you do because I personally think it would be very easy for me to become cynical, to look at that data and be like, Nope, we're out. Guess, I guess, I guess uh, the enemy won and we lost. And like, that's, that's entirely unbiblical. Um, I do want to bring the conversation more into this forum and uh, your talk in particular. Now, if people were aware of you uh, going into this podcast, they may have seen some of your, of your conversations, some of your talk, not only about your unique identity, 
but your perspective on race. What I heard in your Q talk and what I think you're, you're going to want to bring into the forum is what you feel like is something that's missing from the racial conversation that we're all having in our own communities, in our own context. Can you share with our listeners what that is? What do you feel like is missing in this current race conversation? Yeah, I, I, I just... I feel at the moment we are heavily leaning into uh, this binary um, okay. of black and white, and I, and 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 I want to uh, to say that I I do feel that the the emphasis is justified because of just our um, our history as a nation. There, there, um, you know, I don't I don't think that I can um, overstate just how tragic parts of our history were getting to where we are now, right? So this is not, uh, none of my talks, none of my thoughts are dismissive in any way of that reality. Yeah. Um, but I am who I am and I'm trying to find my way. Yeah. You know, and like, I still have to be me. And uh, whenever I am presented with, okay, uh, you, you can be you, but you got to pick a side. And, you know, mm-hmm. once you pick that side, you're picking the identity of that side. You're picking, uh, in many ways, uh, for the general public, they're very superficial identities. So you, you have race, you have political ideologies. And, but for me, coming from a mixed background and for, for the listeners that don't know me, my, my mother is from the Dominican Republic. She's an immigrant mm-hmm. from uh, Santo Domingo. And my father's an immigrant from Mexico. He was born in Nogales, raised in uh, Mexico City. Okay. Uh, they both moved here around the age of 12 uh, to the United States. Uh, they met uh, in college in Tennessee. Uh, my dad moved to get his master's at Fuller uh, nice. in Pasadena, where I was born. So I was born uh, in L.A., uh, but I was raised in South Texas. Okay. And so I'm, I'm as American as they come. Like my mother, when she moved, uh, she moved to New Jersey and a lot of my, my family, they married New Yorkans. So I have that New York, New Jersey, yeah, you do. my mother's side in the States. And then <laughs> my father from the Southwest, a lot of family mm-hmm. in Tucson, Phoenix, San Antonio, LA. And so like my, my worldview is all over the place. Yeah. Uh, and so when these conversations come up and these silos are built and saying, okay, we all have to rally now. Okay. Mm. All hands on deck on rallying around things like justice, equality. Um, we got to rally around those things. And when you don't neatly fit into any of those boxes, that's what's missing. We, we don't allow, I would say uh, the word is... Um, conjunction we don't we don't allow conjunctions right we don't allow ourselves to be this and that yeah right you could be this but you're also that right the, yeah. the, living with with those conjunctions we either say you're this or you're that and i think that that we're missing out on that and me being a person of a mixed race and mixed ethnicity uh i i've wrestled through that and then i married a palestinian american and so now, you know, and so uh, even even with that conversation and then now yeah. we have kids. Right. And my yeah. kids are a quarter uh, Dominican, Mexican, Palestinian and Anglo. Wow. And so how will they identify if we continue on this continuum where it just continues to diverge? Where do where are they allowed to land? Yep. What parts of them do they have to suppress to be tolerated on mm. the side that they chose? It sort of plays back into what we were talking about with, you know, digital discipleship for our kids and what that's going to look like, because the 
public discourse, the public square has become so binary. And yet the stakes of what we're talking about are so high that we can't let binary win the day. And I personally think about that as such a great opportunity for the church and people who are listening to influence what the, the future of the faith looks like, because the church should be a leader in that conversation. The church should be a leader in leading people through that nuance and helping kids like your kids and kids like my kids celebrate the fullness of their identity with Jesus and not have to suppress parts of themselves to conform. If there's any place in the world that that should be permissible, it is in within the context of the body of Christ. Right. And I hope we get there. I am curious, you know, obviously we here at Awana, you guys at One Hope, like you are, we are constantly engaged in the conversation about the future of the faith and how we talk to kids about this is so crucial. We all need to engage our kids in this conversation and we all need to begin to talk to our kids with a biblical worldview of what race means and what race more importantly doesn't mean. I'm curious how you begin to unpack that with your own kids or advise others to unpack that with their own kids because we as adults can talk about it, but frankly, we're going to get it wrong a lot. And my hope is, is that if we get it right with the kids that they're going to have a cleaner version of this conversation as they age into the future of the faith. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I really do believe that um, understanding. And, and I think that the, that's the crux of the whole, our whole conversation is around identity and, yeah. and, and really trying to unpack that. And uh, first and foremost, unpacking, right. The Imago Dei, the image of God that's within all of us, right. That uh, that is within all of us. We, we all share that. That's, that's the thing that really does unite us, that, that God put his hands on us, formed us, made us. Um, but that within that commonality, there's also distinctives, there's the diversity. And I always thought it was fascinating. And one of the passages that I've always uh, leaned on and I leaned on in my Q talk and uh, in the forum, I'll, I'll lean on as well. And, and has really helped me is um, the passage of Romans, uh, Romans, Revelation 7 not Romans, uh, Revelation seven, where, uh, it talks about the throne room of God at the, mm -hmm. you know, at the end of all things and who was gathered there. And it says that it gathered a great multitude and I have right here that it's, uh, every nation, uh, every tribe, every people and every language. And that word nation there, um, is the word ethnos. Mm -hmm. And so it's every ethnicity, uh, every tribe of, of people, every language, and that's taking place in eternity. And mm. so it makes you wonder, you're like, okay, I get to keep a couple of things when I go to eternity. And so I got to, I got to think about what are the things that I get to keep? And it highlights, you get to keep that. You get to keep your wow. skin color. You get to keep your language, your tribe that you were born into, you know, your ethnicity. And, and so I, I think that understanding that God loves that about you that God loves your skin color. God loves the language that you speak. God loves, you know, the culture that you, you come from. Calling all moms, this one is for you. Join us September 9th through the 11th in Nashville for MomCon. And when I say join us, I mean us. Awana will have a booth at this conference and we would love to see you there. MomCon is the conference you need to reignite your faith, passion, and love of all things motherhood. Come as you are and leave a little closer to who you want to become. 
get your tickets now at mops.org slash momcon. That's www.mops.org slash M-O-N-C-O-N. So I have three ways of, of kind of breaking that down. Okay. And uh, the first one is understanding the difference between your identity and your identifiers. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, people right now, especially within this conversation, is we we have become way more prejudiced, I believe, uh, more so than ever with just judging people by their appearance or maybe a Facebook post or comment that they made. And we just silo them off and we I we we identify you by your identifier, yep. you know, the way you speak or what you look like, the way that you dress uh, and if we're not careful, we can allow our identifiers to become our identity. And then instead of developing a Christ character, we just become caricatures of other people's labels on us. Right. And coming from 2020, I found myself even becoming a caricature of a Latino. Mm. We're like, I'm like, I'm not, I'm Latino, but I'm not first generation. And all of a sudden I felt this pressure to be perfect in my Spanish or learn all of the Spanish songs that I never knew growing up. Cause I just, I grew up here uh, just to justify my Latino-ness yeah. or, you know, to really uh, accentuate all that people were throwing on me. You're like, Oh, well, you're the Latino in the circles. You got to encapsulate all of the Latino cultures. And I'm like, well, first I am two distinctive nations yeah. of Latino Dominican Republic and Mexico are not similar yeah. at all. And, and, and so uh, very, very quickly, I found that those fell short. And so uh, I, th- I think for, for children, uh, teaching children about the, the difference between their identity, the Imago day that God loves the way he created them, yep. um, but that they are not, uh, that what they look like and where they come from is also not the fullness of who they are. Uh, and kind of diving into that a bit and teaching that I think would be beneficial to our children. And That's so I know great, man. Kids. That's so, yeah. so great because I feel like the, the number of identifiers that our kids are going to have are going to continue to feel more prominent. You know, I, it reminds me of something that I think is so critical in this conversation with kids and stuff that people who listen to this see, which is when our kids become followers of Jesus. There is not, as uh, Dr. Kiesbo said recently, there is not a junior version of the Holy Spirit they get. Hmm. Biblically, they are full brothers and sisters in the faith. And yet so often we treat them with one of their identifiers of being a kid rather than recognizing the fullness of the Imago Dei. And if we can do that work just in their spiritual development and their discipleship, we can certainly do that work and how it relates to their race or other other ways in which division is trying to be sown, particularly amongst the kingdom. Yeah, and, can I can I make yeah, a comment please, on that? Please. Yeah, so um, yeah, a, a part of something I've studied as well is uh, you know Jeremiah chapter one and verses yeah. five through eight, and that's that famous passage where uh, Jeremiah is like, "I'm only a young person, I'm only a youth," and then God says, "Do not say that you are only." A youth. And I, I take that as, you know, and, and, and maybe I'm using that passage generously, but many times we say I'm only and then we fill in the blank with an identifier that we've adopted for ourselves. 
saying, well, you know, my whole life I've been known as this. And so now when God asks me to do something different or to jump into another conversation, I've limited myself either by outside labels or an internal label to say I'm only. And I do believe we're, we're entering into a season where, where God is taking those only labels off and saying, yeah, you're this, but, and you're that. And that's awesome. Yeah. Because now you're, you're able to do so much. Yeah. There's a tension of identifiers within. And I, and I deal with that because I'm like, I don't neatly fit anywhere, but what a great privilege to be able to uh, enter into various conversations because I'm this and I'm also yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. And I hope that, and I hope that that begins to broaden folks perspective on not only their own potential, but the potential in their church, the potential in their communities, because I think to your point about, you know, revelation where this ends, you know, we have to be able to lean fully into these things to better reflect God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. So it's identity versus identifiers. I kind of went into the second one a little bit, uh, caricature versus character. Yes. So identifiers versus identity is uh, what we didn't get to choose. Yep. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. I don't get, I don't get to choose uh, when, when I get followed around in a Walmart. Oh, goodness gracious. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Like, uh, <laughs> there are various experiences when we talk about, you know, the people of color, when they talk about their experience in the US. Yeah, I've had those moments where I didn't get to choose to be labeled and followed around. And, you know, these people don't know I'm like a credentialed minister. <laughs> you know, I'm like, uh, the second thing is, uh, you know, character versus caricature. And that's what you get to choose. Yeah. You know, you either get to choose to, to buy into the narrative that culture has put on you and you can just lean into that and just make that your identity because uh, it's easier. You you can grow a platform quicker that way. And, and we've noticed that about influencers. Um, they're just, they're playing characters, right? Yeah. They're, they're caricatures, they're extreme versions of whatever category people are either identifying with or, or they appreciate and they just go all in and, and people support that. Uh, or you can choose to have character, which is way more in depth and, um, I, I don't believe is uh, marketable as easily, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. that, that, that's something that you're staying, you're, you're sticking to your, uh, convictions. And so, uh, yeah, if the first one, you don't get to choose, uh, this is one that you do get to choose and say, Hey, I know that the predominant view of people that look like me sound like me or come from my background, come from my neighborhood, uh, statistics show this about me, or, you know, the, the narrative is this about my quote unquote group, uh, I, I don't ascribe to that. I, I, I want my character to be built on something more robust. Yeah. And I think that that's only given and in, in that's kind of my, uh, my last one is um, uniformed versus uh, unity. Mm. And that's the what only God can do. Yeah. Uh, and I think that we do unity poorly because our version of unity in the church is just getting everyone on the same page to sing the same songs, to think the same things, to be passionate about all the same things. And, you know, and, and so we, we call it unity, but it's more uniformity. Yeah. Uh, And the, what, what we need when, when we get into diverse situations and this is the difference and I'm, and I'm going to open a can of worms when I say this, it's (laughs) the difference between a multi-ethnic church and a multicolored church. Ooh. Right. And a multicolored church is a church where, Everyone is 
uh, fed the same thing, asked of the same thing. Uh, you know, the, the language is all the same. And, and there's kind of not a difference from person to person, maybe in their homes. Yes, but not in the church space. But a multi-ethnic church is uh, equal sacrifice amongst all involved parties yeah. where you're saying, OK, I, for example, I'm Latino uh, and I do have African roots within me from the Dominican side, but I'm not African-American. Mm-hmm. And so I do have to allow the my African-American brother and sister to lead me into the unknown of their experience that I don't have. And mm-hmm. the moment I can allow them to lead me into that unknown and then vice versa, them allow me to lead them into the unknown of the Latino experience within a church context, then we have unity. Yeah. And that's unity. That's unity and diversity because there is an equal shared sacrifice of Hey, we're going to create space for everyone that comes from a different place to lead us into what we don't know and yeah. not just assume we do or just gloss over and say, okay, that's just too complicated. Let's just all just do one thing. Let's all do agreed upon one thing. I do hope that people who come to the forum, you know, begin to hear and unpack all this in their, in their local context, because, you know, I think about that in, in conversation with kids and the amazing opportunity to make that foundational in the lives of kids. Like this just happened with my daughter where she was hanging out with uh, this girl and this girl's mom. And the other little girl says, um, you know, mommies don't work. And my daughter was like, my mommy works. And I watched on that little girl's face where like her, just her foundation was changed. Like truth immediately set in of like, oh, I was wrong about this. And now I understand that life is more complicated or it's more nuanced. Like right. kids get that, and I'm using a very benign example, but how much more important and how much more impactful to be able to teach kids about what you're describing for something that the world is going to try to tell them a different story. The world is going to try to tell them that uh, these identifiers matter more, that to your point, caricatures are more marketable and therefore more successful. If people who are listening to this are uncomfortable, I hope that they pay attention to that and lean into that and lean into the spirit with that because otherwise we're going to keep having the same conversation over and over again. Yeah. And Uh, everyone has that. Yeah. Yeah, And and for everyone, everyone listening, just even, even with being as mixed as mixed as I am, uh, I don't know everything. And I couldn't possibly even know everything of the nations my parents come from. Sure. Uh, which is which That's is a word, big man, yeah. part of the tension uh, is because am I Mexican enough? Am I Dominican mm. enough? You know, in on one side of my family, I'm the Mexican. On the other side of my family, I'm the Dominican. <laughs> right. And yeah. uh, it's it, it, so, yeah, we, we're all invited into that. Uh, but I believe if we, we share this grace to um, to lead people that don't know and we're humble enough to be the people that don't know mm-hmm. and, and walk quietly. And yep. listen uh, to stories. Uh, I just think we'll be healthier as as a church united uh, uh, in this country and even worldwide. Yeah, and we need to. That's sort of where it comes back to you know where we started this conversation. When you look at what the future of the faith is going to look like, the church needs to be united. Yeah. Uniformed will not work. You know, we see that particularly in the conversation around children's ministry, where so much of the work that was done turned out to not bear enough fruit. You know, we see so many kids leaving the faith in high school. We see so many of the kids uh, that they, the Sunday school answers they kept receiving when they stopped asking Sunday school questions 
began to lead them to be a pl- to a place of disillusionment with their faith. Mm. And I hope that voices like yours can continue to ring out over some of that noise because it, it, in my opinion, it is what shapes the future of the faith. And it is what makes this actual conversation around discipleship uh, really count. Um, I want people to come to the forum. I want people to see you uh, in person in 3D because uh, I think it's particularly impactful. We are doing the conversation online as well. Uh, the last question I'll ask you is just, you know, you are someone who is a leader in this next gen space. You are someone who now is being asked to speak at a lot of different conferences. You're pulled in a lot of different directions, a lot of different responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to folks who have listened to this conversation up to this point about why gathering a community specifically dedicated to child discipleship is so important for such a time as this? Why are you excited that the forum's happening, even if you weren't speaking at it? Yeah, I because I, I don't believe that, uh, one, uh, in people are not being discipled. Everyone mm. is being discipled. Uh, we have the unique opportunity to, to be the ones to do the discipling. Yeah. And, uh, and the way that culture is at the moment is uh, we have iPhones, we have tablets. And if, if we are not intentional with our discipleship of our children, our tablets and our iPhones will be the ones doing the discipling. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and in that, we don't get to choose. Mm. technology is what it is and, and we can't we can't put our kids in a bunker uh you know like that 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 will we will make crazy people out of trying <laughs> to hide them from the realities of the world but um i do believe in the holy spirit yeah. and i do believe that the holy spirit is equipping uh fathers mothers pastors uh for the next generation to lead children in the way that they should go to give them wisdom in times of very gray area conversations for revelation to uh spring up and for us to not underestimate how receptive and um perceptive young uh children are yeah and how um open they are to 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 hearing uh very complex topics and nuance Mm -hmm. uh get 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 children in front of uh diverse voices get your get your children in front of diverse uh experiences take them mm-hmm. to various restaurants take you know if you got uh families in your church that that are multi-ethnic uh you know go to their house hang out with them let 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 the kids hear different languages uh if 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 you're listening to this and you're in the united states uh there's plenty of opportunity for your children to experience a broad variety of people. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that that comes with our intentionality to introduce them to those things. So forums like these, man, uh, I, I, they're great opportunities to build up the next wave of Christians that are going to see the gospel go into the future. Thanks to Ellie Benia Jr. for the time and the wisdom. And thank you for listening, especially all the way to the end. If you've made it this far, you know what I'm about to ask you. Are you registered for the Child Discipleship Forum? Are you? We're going to have amazing conversations. There's going to be amazing speakers. It's going to be a great way to build community around this movement of folks focused on child discipleship. Be there for your sake, for the sake of your ministry, and most importantly, for me. I will consider it a personal offense if you take the time to listen to this podcast every week, but you're not at the forum. And you wouldn't do that to me, would you? 
In all seriousness, check out childdiscipleshipforum.com to save your seat today. And don't forget, you can also email the show at podcasts at awana.org or leave a voicemail for the show at 630-289-5353. All that information is in the show notes, along with links to learn more about Elibania Jr. And I'm really glad we got the chance to connect. The Resilient Disciples podcast is powered by Awana. Awana is a global nonprofit organization dedicated to equipping leaders to reach kids with the gospel and engage them in lifelong discipleship. Awana is fueled by the generous support of individuals, churches, and organizations, as well as resource sales. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and go to resilientdisciples.com for more resources and many more of these conversations. The podcast is mixed, edited, produced, and hosted by me, Ross Cochran. Our theme song is Fresh Air by Christian hip-hop artist Josiah Williams and Hits by Jude. You also heard I'll Let Go, provided by Josiah Williams from his album, Rerouting 2. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>